I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, y'all? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com's network of podcasts. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host coming to you on early Sunday morning, November 10th, 2019, and we are here to talk about the massacre we witnessed from Ohio State yesterday against Maryland. Before we do that, want to make sure you guys know where to find the show that's on Apple Podcast. You can find this, all of our shows as well there, and follow along on Spotify. And also, when you go to Apple, please, if you like the show, leave a comment, leave a review, leave some feedback, and let us know what you think of the show. And also, you can follow the Hangout in the Holy Land on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. All right, let's talk about this bloodbath and get into really what, what we saw Ohio State do to Maryland yesterday. So... We didn't get the chance to record after the Chase Young news dropped, or I didn't get the chance to record after the Chase Young news dropped about him being suspended or potentially suspended, I guess held out for now, is the thing after the story about him receiving a loan last year to fly his girlfriend out to go see the Rose Bowl from a family friend, or at least that's what we know now or what the story is right now, and that, that was the big storyline coming into this game because we all figured that it wasn't going to be an actual game on the field and that was the case but um i wrote about this a little bit on the site you can check it out there on i got five on it on landgrantholyland.com and it's really just kind of a, a wait and see thing right now we just have to wait to see what the ncaa does but i, I kind of have to get my opinion off because i haven't talked about it yet and just got to say that this whole situation is absolutely ridiculous it's bullshit that Chase Young is even in this position in the first place, that this is a big deal. It, it's ridiculous if Ohio State is playing ball with the NCAA. That's that's really disappointing if that happens to be the case. And whether he gets suspended for two games, you know, retroactively to this Maryland game and then missing next week against Rutgers or four games, it, it's just it's a joke all, all the way around. And it is pretty emblematic of what a fraud the NCAA is and how fraudulent that system is, that this stuff is still uh, considered breaking rules or whatever it may be. You guys get the point. I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid if Ohio State's playing ball with the NCAA. That's all I got to say about that. It doesn't matter for the next two weeks. Ohio State rolled over Maryland. Uh, they're going to beat the hell out of Rutgers, so whatever. But it's it's disappointing to see a, a young man have to get screwed out of this situation for something so so stupid and a rule so stupid. So that's that. As for the game uh, itself, it, that didn't really matter much. And uh, that that was actually probably in the long run a, a good thing for Ohio State for, for multiple reasons um, that, that this was a story that happened and this was something that, that broke before this game because 
this team has just rolled through the season pretty much without distraction. Like if you were looking for what is Ryan Day's perfect first Ohio State season, what is the dream season? Through the first eight months, we've kind of been living it. I mean, they, they got this highly touted quarterback recruit in Justin Fields. They were able to fix a lot of the problems they've had the last couple of years, whether it be the, the offensive line, the defense, recruiting is at as high of level as it's been or they've you know they've maintained it as much as they can when you lose a guy like Urban Meyer so for the most part they just haven't had to deal with anything because they've done all that stuff well and then they got on the, out on the field and they're just whooping everybody's ass so this team hasn't faced any sort of adversity and the Chase Young story wasn't adversity in the sense that it was going to mean anything against Maryland but it was a distraction and it was something where it was going to be interesting to see how they came out and reacted to that. And boy, they administered probably the most thorough beating I think I've ever seen an Ohio State team give to somebody, at least since I've been alive and can remember watching. And there's been scores that have felt a little more lopsided, even though this one was 73-14. to 14. You know, I, I know that they've beaten some teams pretty good and, and shut some teams out, but this is a Maryland team that's obviously not good. I mean, they're, they're bad. They're, they're three and seven now. They're one and six in conference. But I feel like, and we talked about this on the preview podcast, it's not like their defense came in really terrible. They were like 60-something in SP+. Plus. The offense was 60-something in SP+. Plus. So there were portions of this Maryland team that have a pulse. But Ohio State treated them like they were playing a freshman team in high school. I mean, that's really what this felt like was a college team playing like a mid-level high school team because in every phase of the game they dominated. They won 73 to 14. They probably could have scored 100 if they left the starters in like to be quite honest. It looked like Ryan Day was going for 50 by halftime and they probably could have done that too. But in every phase they dominated. They outgained Maryland 705 to 139 in total yards. The yards per play advantage was just absolutely disgusting, 7.5 to 2.8. And that's just uh, taking into account the the second half too. I I don't remember what it was at halftime, but it had to have been pretty bad because after the first quarter, I think it was Ohio State had 192 yards and Maryland had one. Ohio State was outgaining Maryland uh, 40 to 1 just based off their penalty yards alone. So this was just an ass beating in every sense of the word right from the beginning because they scored a touchdown on every single drive they had in the first half with the starters. Uh, They were efficient no matter whether they were running the ball, throwing the ball. Um, the, The starters just did whatever they want. And it was interesting to me that Ryan Day seemed very focused on passing the ball. This is the type of game in the past where we saw... Urban Meyer tend to keep running the ball. You know, when you when you know Ohio State's just going to blow a team out, and it felt like in those situations they would just keep running, and and almost felt like it was a, a running clock type of thing where they would get up three or four scores, and by that point it was just hey, let's get out of this with a win, let's just run this thing out, and it didn't feel like that yesterday, at least to me. And if if you had a different take on it, please send me a tweet at Dubsco or at Holy Land Pod because I want to get your guys' opinion on this. And we're going to get to questions and comments here later on. But that was something that really stood out to me, that it felt like Ryan Day was very focused 
Not that he wanted to run up the score, although there, there may have been a little bit of that in the, in the first three quarters. But it felt like to me they were very focused on getting Justin Fields a lot of work in the passing game and a lot of different sort of work. There, there weren't the same combinations being run. They, they mixed it up. There was some bootlegs. There were just some straight dropbacks. Uh, Fields was 16-25, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 200 yards. Just a, a very efficient day. But it felt like uh, this coaching staff really wanted to continue to, to work on him as a passer, and that was something that stood out to me because they, they could have run the ball for 350 yards in the first half if they really wanted to because J.K. Dobbins, once he got into a groove, he was able to cut through some holes and have, for the type of day he had or the type of the amount of carries he had, only 12, to have 90 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, they could have upped that to 20, 22, and he probably could have finished with 200 yards in the first half if, if they really wanted to. And ultimately, they, they finished with uh, 383 total yards rushing on 56 attempts. So a, a huge day running the ball. But when it just came to the first half, it felt like they were really focused on working on the passing game, continuing to get into a groove with these receivers. Uh, something interesting that I noticed in that first half and something I talked about in the preview was wanting to see how much the young receivers played in the first half. And it was either the second or the third drive. Maybe it was even the first drive. Um, Jamison Williams was in there with with Garrett Wilson. It was that one uh, play where Garrett Wilson ran the post corner and just totally shook that Maryland uh, defensive back, which big game for Garrett Wilson, his biggest so far. We'll talk about that here in a second, but I thought that was cool that these are the type of games this week and Maryland next week where you want to see those guys get a lot of reps because they, they may be trusted a little bit more than previous staffs would trust them, but this is, this is the time to play them, and uh, you, you want to see what you have. So to see Jameson Williams out there with Garrett Wilson early on was really good, and everybody else in the receiving core just did what they usually do, whether it's K.J. Hill, who's, I think, getting really close to setting the uh, the score record for receptions. He had four catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Olave, again, I, we just there's nothing else new to say about Chris Olave other than just he's a stud. Five catches, 43 yards, a touchdown. Also, that very sweet onside kick, which we're going to save for later. So pretty much all of the receiving core. Benjamin Victor had a touchdown catch as well and then Jeremy Ruckert early reception 2 for 30 for him so up and down whether it was the the passing game the running game when you look at just the first half because it, there's really nothing to take away from that second half they were just playing with backups and I think they outscored Maryland 31 or 30 to 14 with the backups 31 to 14 with the backups um, it, so it makes you wonder what would have happened if Maryland or if Ohio State just played backups all game against Maryland that would be a very cool uh, thing to see and something we're going to see a lot of against Rutgers as well but the starters this was kind of just like a glorified practice for them but to their credit they did not let up this was the type of game on both sides of the ball where Ohio State could have really snoozed through it and won by 40 but they didn't they they played their best and this is what great teams do great teams have situations like this and they they beat Maryland 73 to 14 they don't let up on the gas they get better and to me that's what's still so encouraging and and why you can take certain things away from a game like this is that 
it wasn't just based off of their talent. I mean, that, that was a big portion of it, but it still feels like this team is using games like this one to improve. And it felt like yesterday, as crazy as it is to say, that on both sides of the ball and just strictly pertaining to offense right now, they got better. So that's another great sign. And I, I really like the mentality because it was clear that Ryan Day came into this game wanting to dominate and whether they were angry or just just fired up no matter what it was they were ready to dominate and and that's exactly what they did and there, there was no better representation for that than that onside kick because at that point it was 14 nothing you could you could already feel it. it it was starting to snowball they could have kicked the ball away forced another three and out and made it 21 to nothing but that onside kick which by the way maybe the most perfect onside kick i think i've ever seen and that ball from Blake Hobiel just floated to Chris Olave. I mean, you couldn't have thrown the ball better down on the sideline. There are quarterbacks that can't make that throw from there that Blake Hobiel made that kick, and he just put it on the money. And I, I saw a couple people talking about like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to give that up, um, you know, just for Maryland. And you know, that, that's a situation that maybe presents itself in a playoff or a title game, but. Like uh, like Ryan Day said in the post game, that was something that they saw on film that they could exploit, and for them to do it, I, I think was pretty pretty special. And and for games like this, that's going to be a moment that you always remember. Like yeah, they they rolled it up, they dominated Maryland, they won seventy three to fourteen. But like hey, you remember when Blake Hobiel just put that onside kick on the money to Chris Olave, and that doesn't mean they can't do something similar for the rest of the season. That's something that opponents are going to look out for. And honestly, just that's another thing that they have to worry about. This team is maybe the best offense in the country. I think pretty clearly by now, the best defense in the country. And we know what they can do on special teams. So uh, Blake Hobiel, shout out to him, man, because that that was just a wonderful kick. And it really kind of encapsulated what type of day this was for Ohio State. And that's, that's the lasting memory I will have from this game is uh, the, that mentality of them just wanting to dominate goes right into that onside kick play. I've praised the offense for the last 10 minutes, so now we, we got to do the same with the defense because it was the story of the game, and that was something we were all looking at is how the defense would play without Chase Young. And, and I think that certain people, maybe outside of the Ohio State uh, beat or fan base, or just the people that watch Ohio State often, the people that keep an eye on them, kind of got it a little bit twisted when it came to Chase Young and this defense. And that's not to take away how important he is because he's the best player in the country, bar none. And they're going to need him when they when they get to this stretch and uh, if they're going to make a run in the playoffs. You need Chase Young to do that. But the people that thought that that's the sole reason why this defense is the best in the country. I don't, I don't want to overreact to Maryland and say, well, they proved them wrong, but uh, I think you really got just a, a true view of this defense and how good they are at all three levels without Chase Young. Because starting starting with the defensive line, right from the jump, second play of the game, uh, Devon Hamilton came up, made, made a nice play, had a sack. He had a two-sack game. Uh, he was probably the best player on the field for the defense. And I think less quietly now, maybe it was quiet a couple weeks ago, we were saying, hey, Devon Hamilton's having a really good season. 
He's having a great season, and it's not quiet anymore. He is one of the best players at that position in the country. And I know the Fox guys have done a couple of games recently of Ohio State, and they've referenced it too, that Devon Hamilton is a guy that uh, is probably flying up a lot of scouts' draft boards or teams' draft boards in the NFL by their eyes because he's had a wonderful season. And for him to really step up without Chase Young is great to see. And then on, on the outside of him, it was, it was the two young guys, uh, Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison, were getting the starts, and I had a close eye on them all throughout the game, and that was what we all wanted to see is, hey, how are these two guys going to do without Chase Young, and what does that outside pass rush look like? Because without a guy like him, the offense can really just even out their focus on everybody and not be so locked into stopping this one guy and I, I thought they had their moments where it looked like they looked like young players they were still figuring it out but for the most part they're pretty damn good Tyreek Smith had two sacks he's uh, not a monster getting around the edge but uh, I think he's continuing to get better getting around the edge and as he continues to refine his game uh, he's just going to be another awesome piece for them to have and he already is a very a very good player so for him to get that experience too with not only the playing time but just without Chase Young and the kind of not have to do it on his own necessarily but just have more focus on him and to see him get two more sacks have some pressures make some plays is great and that goes same for Zach Harrison because if you just watch him there are certain plays where the the light bulb is coming on you can really see the talent shine through and he's another guy just refining his game week after week getting used to the college game getting used to the speed at which it's played at and uh he's he's starting to flip the switch and down down the stretch i think i said it a couple weeks ago that my take was whether it's the penn state or the michigan game zach harrison's gonna make a a really big play in one of those games when ohio state needs it and that's going to be the one where we all kind of think oh the lights on this kid's for real and uh to, to see him continue to get better each week is a very positive sign uh, he had the sack and a, really a bogus penalty. That was, I know people were talking about it, like you can't stand over the guy and flex. Like, come on, um, Zach Harrison, keep doing what you're doing, man. That that was really nice. How about we give some praise to the Ohio State linebackers, huh? This was, they, they played well all season, but this was the best linebacker game that they've had in a really long time. And, and you guys know who we're going to start with. It's not for the reasons we usually do. But we got to give him credit. 32, Tough Borland, played his ass off yesterday. He was so good. Got to give that credit where credit is due. Right from the jump, he had the the uh, early play where he was able to fill in. I don't remember if it was a TFL or a sack. But, uh, yeah, it was a sack. And uh, he, he filled in. It was just – that was a smart play. It was a really smart play by him. And he had a couple of plays where – he was right in the middle. He was stuffing things. He was moving side to side. Um, Tough Borland, he looked the best he's looked since 2017. So love to see it. That's you know we've we've come on here and we've we've said some things about the way he plays. But honestly, guys, I, I would much rather come here and feel like an idiot because Tough Borland has played well than continue to be like, oh, he shouldn't be on the field. So I will gladly be wrong anytime. Uh, Tough Borland plays well so shout out to him because he had a wonderful game and beside him Malik Harrison not only had a wonderful game but just continues to have a wonderful 
season, whether it's from a stat perspective, five total tackles, three solos, and one sack, two pass defensed. He he was just everywhere. Uh, one of those PBUs, just an incredible deflection where he jumped up. It felt like he was eight or nine feet in the air to to snatch that ball because that ball was still rising up it felt like like it wasn't coming down and, and on that play I don't know whether it was a running back an H-back or a wide receiver had beaten Pete Warner on that route I don't know if the ball was necessarily in the best place for that guy to continue streaking down the field but if if it was thrown well it would have been a touchdown and Malik Harrison just made a, a great play you guys know on here how much I play the uh, old NCAA 07 games and if you played any of those games you'll remember there were some throws where it looked like your dude was wide open and a player would do something like that where they felt like they jumped like 12 feet in the air to make the play that's what it felt like where it was just like how 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 is that possible why is the computer cheating right now how can Malik Harrison do that and uh that's another thing that's just representative of what this defense is right now is uh if if some guy gets beat another guy steps up and make sure that he take he takes care of him and makes the play and uh, and that's how they get out of it. So just just something to remember that that play is that uh, this defense is just working so well as an overall unit right now, and the linebackers as a whole are playing their asses off. And that extends to the other guys too. Uh, Kayvon Pope had an interception later in this game, and I know uh, we posted. The video of it on Twitter and it, it went crazy and people really loved it and I think the the coaches were talking about it. Uh, Kayvon's mom was talking about it and it it was just really cool to see because not only did he get the interception but then he got mobbed on the sideline. I think it was Al Washington linebackers coach was going crazy. Everybody else was going crazy and, and that stuff that may just seem like oh that's that's a cool moment the team's going nuts but that's stuff that I think championship teams really have. I mean, this looks like a group that enjoys playing with each other, that enjoys when the second team is in there. They enjoy watching those guys make plays and they enjoy critiquing them. That's something we've seen from Chase Young in the past couple of weeks, talking to guys when the starters are out, whether it's Harrison or Tyreek Smith, pass rushing tips and just being genuinely excited for guys when they make plays. So I love that that, that this team has that mentality. There really isn't a lot for me to get to when it comes to assessing the the secondary play, whether it's the the starters or the backups. I think that there was a couple of plays for the backups where you thought, okay, this is this is why these guys aren't on the field yet. There, there's a lot of young secondary players, a lot of guys that look like they were playing the 2017 scheme when the backups were in. But for the starters, I mean, what what else is there to say other than just like they controlled the receivers and tight ends and anybody else that ran out for passing routes because that's what the secondary does it's full of guys who are nfl high nfl draft picks who are some of the best players at their positions in the country whether it's wade okuda arnett fuller uh they they just dominated like they usually do they held it down and uh i really i really want to see these guys against a top level group of receivers and i think that Penn State certainly has one in KJ Hamler, and then Michigan has some pretty good ones as well. So it, those are going to be fun matchups, and I think matchups that win, but I, I want to see these guys 
just to have some competition and and be able to uh, to go one on one with other really good players because I, I think that that'll really show you how good they, they truly are because matchups like this don't don't really do a good job of it but the secondary once again was uh was pretty great my real final thought about where this defense is at right now and truly buying into just how good they are and this was something that that I tweeted out yesterday after Maryland scored those two touchdowns was that so far this season this defense has given up eight touchdowns eight total I think they've given up only 71 points right now or 77 points something like that it's it's number one in the country the the the, the best defense in the country by uh, any number yeah 77 points and Georgia's given up 91 Iowa's third at 105 Penn State at 108 so they've only given up eight touchdowns on the season which is just astounding by itself the thing that makes it even more ridiculous is that six of those touchdowns have came when Ohio State has been up by 25 points or more. So I think it's only uh, the Michigan State touchdown that they scored and Wisconsin's touchdown. That Those are the only two touchdowns that Ohio State has given up this season where they haven't been leading by 25 or more points, which is nuts when you think about where they were last year. And e- even if they weren't where they were last year, that this defense would be this good. I mean, guys, we're at the point where, you know, it's it's nine games in. We can start talking about, hey, like this might be the best defense in program history. And I, I know that may be heresy to some people, and that's saying a lot because we've watched a lot of great defenses that Ohio State's had. But they've given up eight touchdowns on the season, and two of them have been when they're leading by less than 25 points. That's just absolutely insane to me. That That's something that isn't a, a great stat, that isn't like, oh, that's, that's a great defense. That's an otherworldly, one of the best defenses you've ever seen type of stat. And it's not going to change next week against Rutgers, at least you would, you would certainly hope not. But, you know, it's something where Penn State and Michigan may score a couple extra points. But, like, if they – imagine, you know, they hold – Penn State to 10 points, or they hold Michigan to 10 points. They do it to both those teams. How are we talking about this defense? I mean, it has to be, hey, this is the best defense in program history. And uh, I, I think if you told any of that, any of us that before the season, hey, Ohio State's going to bring in these new guys, they're mostly going to have the same players, and they're going to put up one of the greatest statistical seasons in program history we would have thought you're crazy. We'd been happy with, hey, well, I just want him to be a top 20 defense. I just want him to be a top 25 defense and be able to create some turnovers. But they're basically doing everything great right now, and teams are averaging 8.6 points per game against them. I'd be very interested interested to crunch the numbers on what that looks like in non-garbage time because it would probably be closer to about – two or three points or four or five points, something like that. Five points probably is what teams are averaging in non-garbage time against Ohio State. So um, just uh, continue to be astounded by this defense and really how focused they are. They're they're focused, they fly around, and they make plays. And I know it was Maryland, but still, they just, they've done this through nine games, and I'm at the point where I'm ready to start talking about this defense on a whole other level from what we've been talking about uh, them this whole season so far. That's pretty much all my thoughts on uh, 
offense and defense and, and what we saw yesterday, this game was, like I said, it, it was just a whooping. It was a whooping of epic proportions. I don't know if I've ever seen Ohio State beat a team like that before. It was just all phases of the game. They, they totally dominated. And, uh, you know, you can take away from it what you want because Maryland's bad. Ohio State's really good. They're arguably the best or second best team in the country, depending on how you feel about LSU. But uh, this, this is what we've wanted. We've been waiting to see Ohio State just completely take the soul out of teams that they should take the soul out of, and they're doing that this year. They're absolutely demolishing almost every single uh, team they play, and it, it's so impressive. And, you know, will it continue? Yeah, for sure. Well, this week against Rutgers, and then we're going to get into the portion of the season where they just got to win. You know, they, they don't need style points at, at this juncture of the season. I was talking to somebody about that the other day. You know, when you're undefeated, all you got to do is win now. And uh, the the great thing is, is that this team kind of just looks like they're on a, a collision course for the playoff. And they want to dominate and they look like they are so focused. And uh, I can't wait to see what they do. Even, even next week, I'm at the point where I'm excited to watch these games against teams like Rutgers because... They're, they're not sleepwalking into these games. They look focused. They look like they're ready to dominate, and they look like they're ready to improve. So I'm excited for that, and then obviously so excited for what we see the last two weeks. All right, I am going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get to your questions, your comment about the game, uh, about Ohio State's year so far, and everything else you sent us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. So stay tuned to that right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, I am back here on the Hangout in the Holy Land talking about Ohio State's 73-14 win over Maryland yesterday, and it's time for my favorite part of these recap shows, and that is to take your questions and your comments and get your feedback on uh, on what you, what you saw yesterday. So I, I put out there that we wanted thoughts about the crimes that Ohio State committed versus Maryland so we could read them on air, and you guys had a lot of great responses, starting with former co-host of the show, the original host of The Hangout and the Holy Land, Matt Brown, who says, I thought the crimes were good. Much like the spot, Matt, I, I think you were right on the money. The crimes were excellent and uh, that they happened at Mike Loxley's expense. I'm okay with that. Greg Frisch, uh, perpetual listener, shout out to Greg, says, crazy to say that 73 points were understated. No huge flash plays just outclassed for the entire game. Defense was the star in my mind. Maryland couldn't move the ball at all in the first half, and we had our way with them. Fields and Dobbins' stats weren't even that amazing. Yeah, they like I said earlier, they could have, whether they wanted to throw the ball for 500 or 600 yards, they, they could have, and whether they wanted to run the ball for 500 yards, they, they probably could have, but it, it just seems like they were out to improve and, and get better and dominate, and that's what they did, and Really, yeah, the, the 73 points kind of were understated because it didn't feel like 
there was it's just like oh deep shot after deep shot or 80 yard run here 65 yard run there no it was just really efficient offense and calling plays that worked and then dominating on defense greg's right the defense really was the star of the game because they suffocated maryland this isn't a maryland offense that's super terrible and we saw what they could do last year especially anthony mcfarland with those long touchdown runs Uh, mcfarland had six carries for seven yards yesterday a long of nine so they completely shut down what maryland wanted to do offensively and they were just they were phenomenal on defense Grant Shive says the crimes were so egregious that a recruit had to decommit from Maryland mid-game. Yeah, that's that's something I don't think I've ever seen before. Is and I'm sure it's happened, but uh, just funny that it happened in, in this situation that Maryland had a recruit decommit mid-game. Just you can picture him watching the game on TV and being like, yeah, I don't know, maybe Indiana is a better choice for me. I don't, I don't know if I want to go to Maryland. Parker, who may have the most masochistic question, is is that a word? Masochist is a masochist, is what I, what I'm getting at. He asks uh, next week more Ohio State first half points or Rutgers first half yards, which in itself is the most absurd question ever. But it's so absurd that it's like it's reality. We're at the point where it is very possible that Ohio State is outscoring these teams uh, or has more points than these teams have yards in first half. So I I think you'd be crazy to almost not consider it a possibility. Like general reality would tell you that maybe Rutgers has like a a big play and has 80 yards and Ohio State doesn't score 80 first half points, but it's certainly a possibility (laughs) that's on the table. Like, I don't know, but I, I think it'll be close at the very least. I think we see Ohio State put up 30 to 40 first half points and just roll through like they did this week. Uh, longtime listener Eddie always gets in on these weekly pods. I appreciate you, Eddie. He says, I want to hear the discourse on how savage day is after those first half timeouts and how beautiful the onside kick was. Savage is the best way to put it, but I think it's a very understated savage, at least to this point. Ryan Day hasn't been around long enough for people to really do something where uh, like people hate him yet, I guess, like from the outside of Ohio State's fan base and I, I don't know if really this is it I don't think it is but the the fact that he was a, even willing to do this I think goes back to what I said earlier about just the difference in how he approaches the game versus Meyer and and I'm not trashing Meyer here like I, I usually want to but I, I think it's just what sets Ryan Day apart is that he kind of comes into these situations ready to dominate no matter the opponent, and it, it didn't matter that Ohio State was up 42 to nothing. I think he said that in his presser that, hey, anything can happen in the second half, and, and maybe that's just him being facetious and, and being a dick and just sticking it to Maryland, but he, uh, I, I don't think his mentality is changing, whether Ohio State is playing Maryland, whether they're playing Penn State or Michigan, no matter what it was, or that you know this is a, a play that, oh, maybe you should save the onside kick for the Big Ten title game or the playoff. No, they saw what he saw on film, and it's like, hey, let's let's go do it. it if if we want to use that in the title game, yeah, we can we can use it too, or we can just kick the ball away and have the best defense in the country go up against whoever we're playing. I, I think that that's really how they're approaching it right now. Is no matter the opponent, it doesn't matter. It's nameless, it's faceless, and they're going to take care of business and dominate and play their style of ball. 
Nate, on the same type of wavelength, says, Remember when these stupid games were close all the way into the third? Um, I try not to, Nate, every week. And uh, every week we watch this team play, the more that those bad memories just fade away into the background. That's that's one of the things I, I keep coming back to in my mind, and I may have referenced it here on the show a couple weeks ago, is that a lot of those games from the past three or, or four seasons, like I, I don't want to go back and watch. I'll go back and watch the Michigan game from last year, but I'm, I'm not going to watch that Northwestern Big Ten Championship. I'm not going to watch the Wisconsin Big Ten Championship. I'm not going to watch the Rose Bowl last year, and I'm certainly not going to watch any game that they played against Rutgers or Maryland or any other bad Big Ten team from the past couple years. With this team, at least right now, like I don't want to get ahead of myself, but these are games that I feel like I can go back and watch, even though they were blots, because they're they're just fun. They have moments like the onside kick or, you know, Master Teague coming in and running really well. Moments where, you know, Kayvon Pope has the interception and you see these backups playing really well. Uh, Garrett Wilson, who had the touchdown catch uh, that got called back, that was, uh, what, like 50 yards chugging off, took that hit, and there was a hold on Daywan Jones. But that was just a beautiful play. Those are the type of things that I want to see. And I I forgot I didn't really get to Garrett Wilson, uh, and I said I would. So just real quickly, uh, four catches for 82 yards and a touchdown long of 35 had that touchdown on the left side. He, he's a beast, man. And like I said with Zach Harrison, we, we've seen a little bit more from Garrett Wilson, but I think whether it's the Michigan game, Penn State game, Big Ten title game, playoff if they make it, whatever it may be, one of those big games, uh, Garrett Wilson's going to make a big-ass play because he already looks as good as anyone out there on the field. And the thing that stands out isn't the athleticism. It isn't the way he's able to high point the ball because those things are certainly great. But his uh, his polish, his his refinement in his game, he already looks like he's like a, a sophomore that's late into the late into his sophomore season, I guess is what I'm getting at. He looks like he's already played 20 college games and that he's young, but he's still getting better. But this is his true freshman season and he just already looks very uh, skilled and refined. So Garrett Wilson, absolute dude. And then finally, the the MVP here of the Hangout in the Holy Land uh, audience segment goes to Cody Brickner. Shout out to you, Cody, because he took our questions on the crimes that, that we want to know, the crimes that Ohio State committed against Maryland. He took it very literally and responded with one Maryland committed fraud by putting up a ton of points early in the season and then can't cover a 43-and-a-half-point spread. Two, Ohio State with a count of extortion by the first, second, and third string, forcing the Terps to give up points. And then three, copyright infringement on Ohio State for defensive line depth. Cody, if I had like a gift card to give you or any sort of money i would because that's maybe the most excellent response we've ever got here on the show so thank you for sending in all of the crimes that you thought ohio state committed against maryland yesterday and thanks to everybody who uh, interacts with the show and sent in things these are like i said my favorite portion of what we record every single week so uh get those questions ready for i guess comments if you have you shouldn't have any questions after the after the rutgers game so get your comments ready for after that game and get them ready for those Penn State and Michigan games. It's going to be fun. Uh, so thank you to everybody for interacting with the show at Holy Land Pod and I am at Dubs Co. That pretty much does it for today's show. There's probably a lot of stuff I missed. 
it, there's like what what else can we talk about? Ohio State dropped 73 points on Maryland's head. They dominated without Chase Young. They came in with a lot of distractions and they just took care of business like they have done all season and it was just really fun to watch. I continue to be impressed by this team. I'm going to keep saying it. They're getting better. They're improving every single week, which is very scary. And uh, they're going to continue to probably do that here against Rutgers next week. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday when the preview show comes around. So stay tuned to that, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and listen to me and the rest of our podcasts here on the Land Grant and Holy Land Network. We drop a podcast every single day for your guys' ears. A lot of basketball stuff coming up since the season started. So we have a ton of great content there. And follow along on Spotify. Just search Land Grant and Holy Land. You find all the shows there. Follow along and they'll just pop up in your feed every single time a new show drops. So we got a ton of stuff for you guys, whether it's audio form or on the website LandGrantHolyLand.com. Follow the site on Twitter at LandGrant33 and follow the show at HolyLandPod. That wraps it up for me. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Look forward to talking about Rutgers uh, later on this week on Wednesday. So be ready for that. And I will talk to you then. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks.